Good stuff with Rob Mazzola, Pro Sports Better. Rob will join us next week on the show as we get set for week one in the National Football League. Fun programming announcement coming up later this week as it concerns myself and Ken and our content week one next week in the NFL. We'll get back to NFL Coach of the Year in a second, but it's that time of year where we get breaking news a lot over the course of the show and over the course of the day, and we absolutely love it. So nothing has happened as of yet with Indianapolis Colts disgruntled running back Jonathan Taylor, but uh, Josina Anderson, NFL insider for CBS, tweeting, moments ago she writes i'm told at this hour at least two teams and and i think that insiders have kind of like publicly linked the dolphins to jonathan taylor so i think we can say even though it's not explicitly stated in this tweet i think we can surmise that one of these teams is likely to be miami not definitely but i think we can say with some degree of confidence that miami is one of the two teams here even if it's not implicitly stated at least two teams are still actively working to construct a trade for jonathan taylor both making substantive uh substantive is that a word substantial substantial offers is the word right and are mutually willing to give that's where you're going there sorry i was wondering where you're going substantive yeah but like yeah i like substantial better substantive whatever and are mutually willing to give taylor a market contract which is somewhere in the range of 10 to 12 million dollars right based on the deal signed by saquon barkley and josh jacobs over the course of the last like month or so so um we think Miami is one of the teams. We don't know who the other mystery team is. Maybe it's Philadelphia. Maybe it's Kansas City. Who the hell knows, right, who the other mystery team is. I, I think one thing we can maybe agree on, Ken, is that Jonathan Taylor, from a fantasy perspective, a trade move moves fantasy needle big time. Betting-wise, probably not a lot, although maybe you feel differently if he goes to, like, Miami with Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, and the rookie Devin Shane currently in the backfield. Yeah, I mean, I, I just uh... – I mean, I do think he matters just because he's really good, even if he plays a position that the that from a salary standpoint isn't valued very much anymore. Um, you know, the difference between him starting and Raheem Mostert starting or, you know, him starting and whatever, some average running back on some roster starting is is probably pretty significant. But like, I guess the way. OK, so that's me kind of saying, oh, maybe he is valuable. On the other hand, OK, if he gets traded to a team. Does that make me want to go bet a team's win total because it's? I think I'm going to get closing line value on it, or because I think uh, that bet's going to age really well for whatever reason over the next two or three weeks? Uh, no, like if he goes to my, I kind of like Miami anyway, honestly. But if he goes to Miami, yeah, that's like really awesome. But like, would I click over on regular season wins on Miami when he gets traded there? Like, thinking I've like made a great bet, maybe the market moves in my favor like a little bit. That's possible, but. It's, I think it's like unclear what would happen depending on which team the Colts chose to do business with in terms of trading them. I guess the other part of this is like when the Colts, if I should, I said, shouldn't say when, if the Colts end up trading him instead of keeping him, like, do you downgrade Indianapolis? Like, does that make you want to make a bet on Indianapolis being worse this year? And what happens to the market for Indy Jacksonville when that happens? Is there a little bit of that priced into that already with Jacksonville out to like four, four and a half in this game? So it, like, I know teams don't value running backs a lot for a lot of reasons that are like really justifiable and logical, but like he is really good. And the difference between him and it just depends on what team he goes to. The difference between him and the starter might be meaningful. Now, what does that mean? Probably not like a mathematical amount, like a number of points or a half win in the win total market or something, but like, does he make Miami better? Like, is there anybody that would say no? <laughs> like, so if you just frame it that way, then like, yeah, but I, I just, from a betting standpoint, I just it doesn't make me want to bet anything, depending on what team he picks. Uh Deion Jackson, by the way, based off preseason usage, especially in week three, look would looks like he'll be Indianapolis start uh the Colts starting running back in week one if Jonathan Taylor is in fact traded. It looks like Deion Jackson would play above Evan Hull, 
you know, Brett's son. These have been the, the mm. two guys there with Zach, with Zach Moss nursing a broken arm. So, like, if you're doing fantasy leagues, you're doing whatever, it does look like if Taylor gets dealt, Deion Jackson would be Indianapolis's starting running back in week one in the backfield next to rookie. They're going to be losing a lot. Not, great. Not sure how much running next they're going to do. Uh, <laughs> next to, well, Anthony Richardson will be running a lot for sure. He may be running, being chased. Yeah. Yeah, which, which honestly, like, I think it's good news for Indianapolis if that's going to be the case. I think he's he's pretty awesome. All right. So that more breaking news, if it happens, we will bring it to you. We'll give you all the betting analysis, some fantasy analysis as well as we get it here on You Better, You Bet. We'll get to college football next hour. Uh, Big 10 schedule and win total analysis. Lockmas meets eight buckets. But for now, let's get back to NFL Coach of the Year and our market discussion here, where in hour number one, Ken said, you know, this is going to be a two-bucket discussion. 80% and 20%, right? 20% outcome, 80% outcomes based on what we've seen over the course of the last quarter century in the National Football League. In our number one, we discussed the 20% outcome, right? Which is like team is so good that coach has to win coach of the year. This is like Bill, think Bill Belichick in 2007 going undefeated with the Patriots when Belichick was already established as the best coach in the league. Didn't matter. They go 16-0. and 0, Bill Belichick is going to win coach of the year. We tried to identify a couple candidates that we think could be, that could be, the case this year, the 20% outcome. I mentioned Nick Sirianni. Ken mentioned Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott. So, Ken, if you have anything else to say about the 20% outcomes, please do. Or we can go to the 80% yeah. outcome, right? And we saw one of those last year when Brian Dable right. coach of the year with the Giants in year one. Yeah, so the the 20%, and again, these are just like a, not, these are inexact numbers, right? Like it's it's just, it doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. So we have to talk about it. There is one winner that I should just mention that, that there's like one, literally one that won't fit really in either one that'll stand out to people that look at history. And it's it's just from a few years ago, and it's when Mike Rabel won as head coach of the Titans, right? Because, like, they did win a lot, but they weren't, like, 14, 15 wins. I think they were 12 and 4 that year. And uh, they were the number one seed in the AFC. That's, I mean, that award, the reason why he won was literally, like, because of what happened during the season, which is that a number of players got hurt, their star players got hurt, and they still won a ton of games despite that and got the number one seed in the AFC. And it was a deserved award. Like, he deserved to win it. But that's also, like... You, if you're going to bet this before the year, it is impossible to attempt to identify a Mike Vrabel candidate. Like, well, you know, I really like Sean McDermott because I think Josh Allen's going to break his leg. And then I, I think they're going to respond and win a bunch of games. Like, it's just a silly form of analysis. So, like, yeah, he won. Also, you're never going to identify that coach before the year because it literally depends on what happens during the season. As opposed to the two questions we're going to try to answer, the 20%, which is... Are there teams that have like 15 and 2, 16 and 1, 17 and 0 type seasons in their range of outcomes? Do you th do you like those teams this year? Do you want to bet their coaches? And then what we're about to move to, which we can call the 80%, Nick, which I think is kind of what people think is the conventional coach of the year winner. When people talk about this award, it's always, they never talk about the 20%, by the way. They, it's only ever this. And so I wanted to do the 20% first almost to be like, you know, it's not always the th this thing. It's not always this. Like a team could just be really good. Um, the 80% is going to be like what I call the improvement coach, which is a coach that takes over a team that's not very good uh, and then improves their record by a very large number of games. Could be a lot, could be like four or five, something like that. There are a lot of stats historically on like kind of what you're looking for. But the 80% is... I think what everyone thinks this award always goes to, Brian Dable won the award last year. He was an improvement coach. He's actually the first coach to ever win this. Not ever. He's the first coach in like 35 years to win this award, winning less than 10 games. Uh, it's like, so actually like he, he, his, the Giants were supposed to be so bad and they had been so bad that an improvement worthy of giving an award was just winning nine games in a 17 game season too. So just like how far they've come basically, like just winning nine was good enough. Um, 
the improvement coach, I think, is what we think about here. So your parameters here, and I, I just I think the the thing I'd be looking for is uh, some a team that obviously was not very good last year. That's a really good place to start. Uh, what's the historical trend here? Seventeen of the last twenty four winners won seven or fewer games the year before. So like not even like average, like bad. Like actually bad. Uh, here's another fun one. Uh, Twenty of the last twenty-four winners had a win total of eight and a half or less coming into the season, so not a lot was expected of them. And then they outperformed expectations to win. Uh, the market can expect you to be better. That's fine, but like you, you have to go over your win total number when it's not supposed to be like eleven or something. Is really good. Uh, Twenty-one of the twenty-four improved by four or more games based on last season's record. Obviously they may not have been in charge of that team or whatever. You get the idea, right? Like you take over a team or your second, your third year head coach usually, and the team was bad and you make them good. You probably make the playoffs, you win 10 or more games and you win the award as a result of doing that. So when we go through that list of candidates that we like, it should be like expectation is average or worse in the market. They were not good last year, and therefore an improvement for them might just be like 11 wins or 12 wins, like a playoff spot, even a wild card spot. Um, that could end up winning them the award. That's how most people think about Coach of the Year 100% of the time. Uh, I was interested in this, so I'm sure listeners and viewers, Ken, while they were listening to you talk, were interested in this as well. So I looked this up. I think the coach that Ken is referring to in the last 35 years is Jimmy Johnson, who in yep. 1990 won Coach of the Year at the Cowboys going 7-9. and nine. And people would be like, whoa, how can that be? Yeah. Only coach to ever win going in, under 500. Only one in history. In, in 1989, Jimmy Johnson's first year at the Cowboys, a historically bad team, Troy Aikman's rookie year. They go 1-15. And then were, like, respectable in 1990 and then went to the divisional round in 91 and then won, you know, three of the next four Super Bowls from there. So I think that was like, oh, my God. Like, they're actually on to something here when Jimmy Johnson won in 1990. You better you better here with Nick and Ken. Magnificent Football Monday talking coach of the year in the National Football League. Um, If we're going to call this the improvement portion, I do feel like you should maybe do, like, the Tim Allen grunt a couple times while you're yeah, rolling right. through that's the right. analysis that's here. Right. So you're, you're looking for, uh, like, seven, seven and a half, eight, eight and a half win total. <laughs> that's what you're looking for. That's what, <laughs> I don't yeah. think so, Ken. <laughs> like, can Dan, can Dan Campbell win? Uh? <laughs> just saying you know it's so so stupid but so funny no, it's uh, right. i don't right. think so too uh sorry so hit us with uh with some of the 80 percent candidates here i have i have all the yeah. bet mgm prices here i can fill in the blanks yeah sure so i i think uh look if you're if you're betting the 80 percent bucket the improvement coaches just like something to keep in mind, just again, to hammer in a couple of the historical trends, because like, this is how voters think just like, so these do matter, like the voters tend to vote almost the same way, literally every single time. And uh, if you're looking for an improvement coach, again, just to hammer this number, 20 of the last 24 winners had a win total in the market of eight and a half or less at the start of the year, and a giant portion of the improvement coaches, like of the of the 80%, almost all fall into the exact same like win total parameter range. And this like makes so much sense, right? Like it's just, the market's not dumb. Like there's at least some baseline expectation for a team that's gonna produce a coach of the year winner most of the time. Seven, seven and a half, eight, eight and a half in the old 16 game season. Like this range produces the winner at a frequency 20 times more than everything. I mean, it's just so many winners come from this range of the improvement coaches. You get like three quarters of them just from this like small narrow band of win totals. So like, what does that say? It's like, okay, we well, don't have to look at that exact number. The season's a game longer now, but the idea is like, 
you basically want a team that was like not great last year, say in a new season, like six, seven wins is a really good place to start. And like maybe out from there one, depending on where you want to go. Okay. And then look at like market expectation for this year, win total, like maybe nine, but like eight and a half or less, something like that. And just like, and especially not brutal again. So like, yeah, Jonathan Gannon could win. They were, they were really bad. Like they were, they were terrible. And he's a first year head coach and they're not expected to be good. The win total like fits, but it's almost like too low. <laughs> like, so, and again, the market's not that dumb. Like the, the market definitely has a set of teams where the expectations are below average, but with a lot of upside and you, and it's the market's kind of right on that. And one of those teams, again, some of them won't pop. Some of those teams are going to be really bad. Some of those coaches are bad, but like one of them probably has the winner. So uh, two kind of like exercises here that are both very fast, but just to like, give us a short list of teams. One is here's every team with a win total of nine or better. And I want to like X them out for this conversation based on those historical parameters. And when we do that, there's going to be a couple where you're like, oh, so we'll start with the highest win totals in the market. Zach Taylor, Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid, they're all 11, 11 and a half. That makes perfect sense, I think. Sirianni. And again, as we're doing these, these are all people in the 20% bucket. So they don't apply to this. They're not going to win very often. They have to go 16 and one probably to win. McDermott, McCarthy, Dennis Allen, who gets some credit in this market. Sala, again, like nine and a half win total in the market. Dan Campbell, the favorite, nine and a half in the market. Peterson, McDaniel, John Harbaugh, Staley, Kevin Stefanski, and Pete Carroll. Like those are all guys that make no sense as improvement coaches. If they go 15 and two, great, just like everybody. But as improvement coaches, they make no sense historically. So that leaves us with this band of coaches in the sort of seven and a half, eight, eight and a half range. So I'll take the six and a half and toss them out. I'll take Gannon and toss them out. So I think your winner is very likely from this range. There are 10 coaches and some I don't even like, but like here's in the range of 10. Sean Payton, Arthur Smith, Mike Tomlin, Kevin O'Connell, Brian Dable, last year's winner, Matt Eberflus, Frank Reich, Mike Vrabel, who won a couple years ago, Matt LaFleur, and Belichick, who'd be going for his fourth coach of the year. I think there are some obvious toss outs there, Nick, and you can do those if you want. I think we'd probably agree on them. I think it's very, very likely your winner is from that group. I also just want to say, you know, the favorite in this market right now at BetMGM is Dan Campbell. The favorite is Dan Campbell, who is not in the list of 10 players, that Ken, Ken, 10 coaches that Ken just provided as being the most likely winner. So this is a pretty fun market for this year. Um, so I'll, I'll, I can give you my opinion, right, and cross some of these guys out. I yeah, personally, we're going to agree on a couple. I this is my opinion. I think we'll disagree on this. I don't know how strongly you'll disagree. You're not going to toss Dable first? I thought that was the first oh, well, one. <laughs> well, I, 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 well, I was going to go down the list here. So obviously, oh, okay. like, Dable's not going to win. There, yep. A 0% chance Kevin O'Connell wins. Like, I'm Correct. Not even, they won like, 13 games. Yes. <laughs> they won 13 games last season. What does improvement look like? Yeah. And this is just, this is my opinion. I think the Broncos are going to be bad. I would never bet Sean Payton, not at this number, to be coach of the year. I personally have okay. no interest in Sean Payton um, at 11-1 to 1 at BetMGM. And that leaves us with seven, or me with seven coaches. On the other side, we'll roll through the other seven candidates. You'll get my take. You'll get Ken's take. And we'll try to identify some valuable bets. Coach of the year in the National Football League. Drop of hour number two on a magnificent football Monday. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. <laughs> on the BetQL Network.